welcome to the Spiritual Intelligence Podcast, Awakening Your Inner Power with Daniel Martinez-Stahl, where we will explore, discover, and integrate different aspects of our spiritual and human nature so that we can all thrive and live life with more grace and ease instead of struggle. So welcome to the Spiritual Intelligence Podcast once again. Uh, this is Daniel Martinez-Stahl, and joining me today is uh, Joe Bailey. Joe Bailey is someone that I met a number of years ago. He is um, someone that has a tremendous amount of experience uh, speaking about our spiritual nature and bringing that conversation into different environments, have it be uh, medical facilities or um, police forces, different first response forces, uh, and as well as um, uh, different environments, but I'll let him speak to that a little bit. So uh, Joe, uh, thank you so much for being part of our show. I am very excited to have this conversation with you. And it would be wonderful if you could just give us a brief introduction as to who you are um, for the listeners. Well, thank you for having me today. I appreciate uh, what you're trying to do. And um, so I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. I um, got into the, the field of psychology kind of really as an alternative to what I was originally planning to do. I, uh, as a young man, I, uh, I've told you this before, I was an exchange student in Guatemala, and I had an aunt who was a Catholic nun who had a big impact on not just me, but our whole family. She was a, a very extraordinary, heroic uh, person in Guatemala. You know, she started Monte Maria Girls School in Guatemala City. That was her uh, creation. And she spent a lot of time working in small villages all over Guatemala. So I got to hang out with her. And it inspired me to want to get in this profession of helping people. I wanted to help alleviate the suffering of the world as I saw my aunt doing and my uncle, who was a priest, a uh, Catholic priest in Bolivia. Um, and so uh, I went into the seminary after high school and thought that was what I was going to do. But uh, I quickly became, it became clear to me that that was not going to work out for me, being in the uh, seminary or being a Catholic priest. So the next option for me was to be, to study psychology or sociology or social work or something like that. But I fell in love with uh, psychology. And so I got a degree in that and then went to graduate school and became a clinical psychologist. But with this driving force and this idea of wanting to alleviate suffering in the world. And so when I got into psychology, I thought it was all really very cognitive and it was all about physiology and going back in the past. And, and there was no, that spirituality was something completely separate from that. And so I always felt like, there was something missing. Yeah, you know, I would be my do my clinical psychology, but then on the side I would meditate and do yoga and explore all these Eastern thoughts and esoteric philosophies and that type of thing because something was the soul was missing in psychology. I felt, you know, even in humanistic psychology and Abraham Maslow and people like that, 
there, it was, it was very intellectual. That wasn't really, um, I don't know. I knew there was something missing and I studied with some wonderful therapists who kind of pointed people to that, but they didn't really understand the true nature of the mind. They didn't really understand that there wasn't really a duality between mind and spirit, that mind and spirit were one. And matter of fact, the word psychology comes from the Greek word psyche, which means mind, soul, or spirit, the study thereof. So psychology had lost its soul, in my opinion. And so I was on the hunt. I was kind of knowing there was something more to human beings and their behavior and their feelings and their conditioning and their habits and their neurophysiology. There was something beyond that 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 was the source of creativity and the source of resilience and the source of mental health and feeling of connectedness. And so I was always open, um, but I was over time, I was growing more and more burned out and stressed because I wasn't really getting the results I wanted. And my dear friend, uh, Dr. Keith Blevins kept telling me about this guy named Sidney Banks, who he said was going to transform psychology and make it a true psychology. And I thought I was by that time, uh, very cynical. <laughs> And just, oh, God, here, another trip. You know, here we go. This is, you know, <laughs> Ethan's living in California. And I thought, oh, God. So he'd send me Sid Banks tapes. And I'd listen to a little bit. I'm like, this, is, this didn't make any sense to me. And I'd just throw it away, throw it in the wastebasket. But he was persistent. And then um, back in 1980, he, he called me one more time. And I got his wife on the phone with him. And he said, well, Sid's going to be giving a talk. Sidney Banks was going to give a talk at the medical school at the University of Miami Med, Med School in Coral Gables. And why don't you come down? And by the way, there's this, there's this woman we want you to meet. <laughs> and I was always searching for the true love, perfect love, as well as the true psychology. And so that, that was a good hook for me. And so I went to Miami, and that first day I, I met Michael. My, uh, she's my wife. Uh, for now 39 years. We just celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. So I fell in love with her that at first sight when I met her that day. And that evening, I met Sydney Banks. And um, it was a very powerful, life-changing event for me. Hmm. I didn't really have a clue what I was getting into. But when I sat around, we, it was a very informal dinner we had. And then after dinner, we just sat around and all of a sudden Sid started speaking. And everything he said went completely 180 degrees, the opposite from what I had been trained in as a clinical psychologist. And so my brain was scrambling. Uh, it, it, I was wanting to argue with everything he was saying. But penetrating deeper for me. It's almost like a heart to heart connection with Sid. I felt that I could feel the truth of what he was saying. It was very ordinary. It was very simple. It was very logical. Um, and it, um, I just felt a kind of a lightheartedness come over me hmm. in his presence. So it was a, my heart, it took a while for my brain to catch up with my heart. 
because I, I started changing from that first contact with Sid. And what he was pointing to was that, that was very revolutionary for me, was that, that we're not broken, that human beings uh, have this essence or core of innate mental health. They have this core of resilience that is, can be covered up with an innocent misuse of the mind. But once we understand how our human experience is created, that we release the barriers to um, this innate resilience, this innate mental health, this uh, well-being, that is the source of insight. It's the source of unconditional love. It's the source of uh, a sense of purpose and connectedness. It's kind of the everything that I, as a psychologist and psychotherapist, had ever been looking for for my patients and for myself. And so that was a hell of a day. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it really rocked my world, but I was falling in love. And so that kind of covered up all of my misgivings. <laughs> and uh, it was the perfect storm for, for me to get past my intellect because I had a very I was extremely intellectual, you know, so many thoughts and theories and uh, concepts and techniques, etc. And it penetrated that fortress hmm. of my thought system. And so I didn't really know what I, what I was going to do with it when I returned home to my private practice and started seeing my first client. Like, how, am I, how, how do I do this? There was no form of therapy that no, it hadn't been translated into uh, a way to help people. And so I just kind of winged it and I would began to talk about what was happening with me and how I was starting to see that it, that I was waking up in the moment to seeing that I was creating my experience from my thinking in this moment, started seeing me in the act of creating a whole reality with this power of thought. And when I could see that I was creating a miserable reality, it kind of corrected itself. I could see, oh, I'm just stressing myself out over something that hasn't even happened yet. It's just my imagination. So I began to see how I was misusing my mind insight by insight. And then I would share that with my, my patients. And they look at me and they go, wow, that's so simple. Why didn't you tell us that five years ago? <laughs> you know, it's so much easier than going back and digging through the past and doing all these other things. And I said, well, yeah, well, I wasn't quite sure if I really knew what I was doing. And, but, my, but what really convinced me that sharing the little tiny bit that I realized was such powerful medicine with my clients. They just changed before my eyes. And I thought, wow, there's something to this. This really is potent. And it was really my clients that convinced me hmm. that because I, as a therapist, I was getting what I always wanted. And prior to that, people would get relief because they would talk about their problems and someone understood and they felt empathy and it would, they feel so much better after the session because they kind of got it off their chest. But then they go right back to the same way of thinking and recreating the problem. 
So it wasn't really changing anything. It was just yeah. a coping mechanism. Yeah. It was yeah. a band-aid on a bleeding artery that kept bleeding. And so I, I thought, okay, there's something. So then I decided to in, engage in a one-year um, fellowship program in Miami, flying back and forth from Minneapolis to Miami and studying about what's now known as three principles psychology. Mm. And it transformed my practice and um, my clients started getting well in six weeks instead of years of getting better coping mechanisms. And uh, my practice exploded and I ended up having to, with my colleague Chris Heath, who was another therapist in the same private practice building, heard Roger Mills speak and she got it. It changed her too. And so together, the two of us started the Minneapolis Institute of Mental Health, which we, we worked with thousands of patients and uh, ended up training therapists there and doing internships and did research. And uh, so for 10 years, we, we did that. I, she moved to Hawaii and started at another institute in Hawaii. I got the short end of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> so I got the cold winter, she got Hawaii. Um, but um, that was an amazing program. And so we, we expanded out from just, we saw that this wasn't just to help in counseling people, but this could be preventative. So we started working with school systems and teachers and principals and with business leaders and hospital systems and uh, inner city programs, working with poverty. And we saw, this is, this is, um, this is a true understanding of how the human experience is created, whether it's about addiction and mental health issues or about corporate success or about creating a learning environment, which really fosters um, uh, insight and, and um, it's fun learning <laughs> um, as opposed to stressful, serious learning. Um, we worked with, like I, you said earlier in the uh, introduction, with police. We um, trained many police officers in this and community policing and how it made their job so much easier to de-escalate violence and to see how to be a peacemaker rather than just a, kind of a military force. So um, I began to see that this wasn't just another new technique. This was a paradigm shift for the field of psychology. And so Sidney Banks was my mentor till he died many years later. And uh, me and many of my colleagues really helped usher in a, a, a new psychology that is practical, simple, simple, it's applicable to all walks of life, regardless of culture, religion, um, educational experience, um, so that's what the three principles psychology did for me. Hmm. And so um, uh, that, that was a, it, it, it gave me what I always hoped for when I decided I wanted to become a psychologist, a real way to help people not just cope, but to transform. And that brought together the spiritual and the psychological because as people, begin to utilize the power of thought and the power of mind and the power of awareness or consciousness 
in their daily life, they begin to feel a deep spiritual connection to themselves, to themselves, and, and to everything that exists. Yeah, I would agree. Into everything. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely want to continue this conversation and, and explore and expand on the aspect of, of Sydney Banks and what is most commonly referred to as the three principles. But before going there, I would love to I would love to um, ask you a question that I've been using as kind of a, a starting point for for these conversations which is related to this subject uh, and as part of this podcast there's an underlying message of awakening to our inner power so i've been asking the different uh, guest speakers what does inner power mean to you hmm. You, we usually think of power as having power over something. And to me, connecting with an inner power is connecting to a power that is everything. It's the source of all life. And when I align with that power, um, I listen more clearly to this inner guidance that comes to us through insight, through what we call wisdom, that's always available to human beings. It's like a conscience that's in there guiding us. And when we, we listen to that, we're connected to our spiritual essence. It's our inner guidance system. And for me, I was always trying to find happiness that if I could be successful enough and got respect from my colleagues, or if I could be financially successful, or if I could have a successful relationship. So I was always looking outside to circumstances and things. If I just got that all in order, I'd be happy. I'd feel fulfilled. And I found through the principles that the fulfillment is, is there just by being aware of our connection to this deeper intelligence that in the three principles we call mind or universal mind is the, the energy and intelligence of all things. As I experience that in my life, as my mind gets settled with thought, as my thoughts settle, this awareness of this deeper essence comes to the surface. So a, a troubled, anxious, depressed, worried, busy mind looking outside is like a, a you know, those little snow globes. It's like shaking it up to trying to find an answer <laughs> to what's in there and setting it down. Grad, gravity naturally clears the globe and you can see what's in it. And for me, that's what spirituality is and spiritual connection is, is that when my, my little mind settles, my thoughts settle, I feel connected to this oneness, to this essence of all things. And from there, I'm given 
common sense and insight and wisdom to see opportunities where I couldn't see before because my mind was too busy. I see potential in other people. I see their their essence as well, my clients. I can see their essence, their resilience, their mental health, and I work with that rather than trying to fix their problems. So the power of that is I feel like I'm riding a wave rather than driving a wave runner, <laughs> a motorized wave runner. I'm riding a wave that's all powerful. And the more I discover how to ride that wave, the more fun it is to ride the wave. But the wave's doing the work. I'm just riding the wave. I'm hanging 10. That's <laughs> no <catching> wave. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> and so, as I mentioned before we started uh, the interview, a number of our colleagues whom I've interviewed already as part of this podcast series have been mentioning Sydney Banks and have been mentioning the principles. And so I wanted to have this conversation. So I really appreciate you, um, you know, giving your background as to how you kind of got into this field. The and I'll talk a little bit about my own experience as well. The reason that I am creating this project is really to help people find a deeper understanding of what it means to be a spiritual being in a very pragmatic and practical way. Because for me, it's not about, for me, it's not about seeking to elevate my vibration so that I can communicate with spirit all the time and that I can live in this, you know, airy fairy world as some people refer to it as. For me, it's really about how do I improve the quality of my current life? How do I become a better parent or a better brother or a better friend? How do I manage my business more effectively? How do I communicate and interact with my my employees in a way that empowers them and enables them to thrive as opposed to restricts them and limits them so that's a lot of why i wanted to create this this podcast series and also the membership program that's uh, accompanying it so i would love to get your thoughts on um well, first of all, just I guess maybe a little bit of a little bit more background on why. Sorry, I'm being pulled in this direction. So, going back to my own background, for me, what I found really appealing about the three principles when I first came across them was that it was a very simple, very accessible description of how I worked, how my mind works, mm -hmm. and which is something that I've been searching for for years with my studies in different fields of psychology, with hypnotherapy, with NLP. And so there was always this underlying question of how is this all working? How, what are the elements that, that are creating 
whatever issues I am facing, I am dealing with. And yes, I can do exercises and techniques to help alleviate them, to help me kind of get past them, but it's not getting to the core, which is something that you mentioned in, in, with your own experience with your patients. It's not getting to the core of where this is coming from, what's driving it. And <clears throat> what I found beautifully described in the way that Sidney describes not only his own enlightenment experience, but also the way in which the three principles are described as the foundational and elementary aspects that create our experience of life. They're the energy, it's a manifestation of the formless energy into form. And so there's this beautiful synergy between our energetic self, our connection to source, our connection to the intelligence of life, and also the fundamental um, reality that we are perceptually living in. So we are living in a world of form. This is our, our experience at the moment. And so for me, the principles were a way to give me a language that allows me to communicate more effectively between my spiritual self and my human self. And so that's something that I found really beautiful and really powerful um, within my own experience. And that's, again, a big part of what's driving my interest in creating this podcast series is to help people find that within themselves. And it's not about what we say. It's not about, uh, it's not about learning anything, a, a process or a technique. It's really about going inside and finding our own experience for ourselves and finding our own truth for ourselves. And what the principles have done for me is help me look in a direction where that's easier to do. And so that's kind of, I guess, my background. And also for the listeners as well, you know, and I've been kind of holding back on, on, on revealing this at the start, partly because I wanted to kind of create a, uh, an environment um, openly and easily without structure and without definitions. But I also recognize that, especially with the people that I'm bringing into this podcast that come from the three principles world, and this podcast series is going to include people from all over, all, all over um, the spiritual community. So it's going to be not just three principles based. However, there are going to be people within the three principles community that I am going to bring in um, to help deepen and ground our experience. So these terms are going to be helpful. Um, so I would love to get your thoughts a little bit more on, on anything that I've said and, and where that leads you. So, um, Not quite sure uh, where to begin with that. Um, 
but I'll just see where it goes here. Um, I used to think before I, I met Sid and before I learned the principles that spirituality was very important to me. You know, I'd take my time every day to meditate and I'd write my journal and I'd do my practices and all of that. And then I would get into my real life, you know, my job, my parenting, my balancing my finances, etc. So there was the real world. And then there was my little escape from the real world, which was my spiritual practices. And I would get a nice feeling from it. It was, and it, or the other way I would experience is I, I'd love to be in nature. So I'd, I'd uh, plan trips to go camping in the wilderness or whatever. And I could escape my reality and experience the oneness with nature when I'm away from the challenges of my daily life and traffic and uh, um, making a living, etc. And I would find, oh, this is just so wonderful. Oh, gosh, I, I, I just such a great feeling. And I would connect to my essence. I would connect to my spirit. So I thought it was about doing. I thought it was about doing something. And that there were spiritual experiences and then there's life. So I had this duality. I had this dichotomy. And with uh, beginning to get an understanding of how my human experience has created the principles behind it. And principles is a very intentional word because until you understand the principles of something, all you have is guesswork. All you have is um, things that work that you discover accidentally and you find something that works, but you don't know why it works. You don't understand the principle behind it. So like when Galileo discovered, you know, the, the earth is not the center of the universe and, you know, the, that we are actually a planet rotating around the sun. It, it didn't just, it wasn't just an idea. It completely changed everything in theology and the whole worldview changed with Galileo and Copernicus. So every time science and humanity has found a deeper sense of principles, you know, those principles allow us to be more predictive and to evolve more readily. We evolve very quickly once we understand the principle behind physics, behind chemistry, behind disease, behind all these things. So what Sidney Banks brought to the world, really, he didn't just have a nice enlightening experience. In his experience, he came back with an understanding of the principles that create our human experience, our human perceptual, psychological, emotional experience. And those principles have made psychology a true science because psychology did not have its principles, didn't have its constants, its predictability with an understanding of principles. You can, you, you begin then to see the applicability to everything in, in the human experience. So, Initially, when Sid has his experience, it just attracted a few people who were searchers and um, spiritual searchers and all that. And, um, and it was a really nice thing. And people really were impacted by him and listening to him. But then as those of us who are psychologists, social workers, 
people who are in the business of helping people started to see the implications of this for our field, we started to see that this uh, understanding how our human experience is created through the principle of mind, which is a universal energy of all things, intelligence, we call it God, the creator, the oneness, the allness. There's many words for this invisible spiritual essence of all life. Principle of thought, which is what we as human beings create our every perception, every emotion, every behavior, all experience is is you cannot have an experience without thought being included. It's always there. We're living, we're like goldfish swimming in water, not knowing that, you know, it's like the little cartoon uh, I show sometime in my seminars, two goldfish swimming along in the aquarium and uh, an old, they run into an old goldfish and the old goldfish says, hey boys, how's the water? And the one looks at the other and they, they both go, what's water? So I felt that when I heard Sid, I had been swimming in the, the world of thought my whole life. But I, I, I didn't see that it was everything, that every experience was connected to thought. You can't have one without it. I didn't see it as a constant. I, I would try to do my thinking. I would do affirmations. I would... Um, try to recondition my thinking through habit changing, um, through psychotherapy, through all kinds of practices. But I didn't, after I heard Sid that, that first weekend, I came home back to my busy life of being a dad and um, a single parent and running a private practice and living in a big city, you know, millions of people driving through traffic, I'm driving through traffic, I'm getting all stressed out after this wonderful weekend of falling in love and meeting Sid Banks and my life being transformed, and all of a sudden I was right back in it, now it's just, just totally stressing out, driving to work, people were cutting me off, and I was late, and I, oh, I have so many patients to see today, and what am I going to do about this one and that one, and, and all of a sudden in the middle of it, it was like I woke up from a nightmare, and I realized, Oh my God, this is all coming from my thinking. That's what he was saying. And as soon as I had that insight, it just, ah, all my thoughts just disappeared. My body relaxed and took a deep breath. And I just, all of a sudden, I could just see all the beauty. It seemed like the traffic was flowing better. You know, I was in this, this totally different new reality by recognizing thought in the moment. And that's the third principle, that moment of awareness that I was thinking. We call that consciousness. I was conscious that I was creating my experience. I was aware of that. And that was my freedom. Now, if minutes later, I was all wrapped up in my thoughts again. And they looked real, and it was like the traffic again. And then I had another insight, and I realized, oh, my God, I just did it again. And, and since those days, my life has been falling asleep to my thinking, 
getting caught up in habits or whatever and and sensing that through my feelings and at some point waking up and having another insight oh it's my thinking and that sounds like oh that's so simple can't be that easy that is so profound by having uh, an understanding that keeps waking up my awareness so that I, I can reset, um, reboot this computer to clear my mind and begin to see life fresh. And every time you see life fresh in the moment, you're having a spiritual awakening every time. So that's the connection to the spiritual and the psychological. When you begin to see your thinking in the moment, when you have those conscious moments where you're aware that what you're feeling stressed about, angry about, worried about, resentful about, isn't what you're thinking about that's creating it. It's that you're thinking that's creating it. And that's the Lollapalooza insight that you see that your thinking is creating your experience. Because that, it's just like a, uh, I, I love to downhill ski. So I'm downhill skiing when I'm, when I can feel that I'm losing my balance. It, it, it's like my knowledge of skiing kicks in and I realize how to make the adjustment without thinking about it. And then my balance comes back. So gravity is pulling me down the hill, but kinesthetically being aware of that allows me to really enjoy skiing and get better and better and better at it. And the same thing is true with living life. The more we understand that we're always living in a, in a, a world of thought 24 seven, and that whatever we're thinking is giving us the perception and the reality that we're living in and that that's all powered by this universal spiritual intelligence called mind. That's the gift of life to experience life through the power of the mind. And consciousness is just the, what we're given to give us a free will so that we don't live in the, in the habitual conditioned habits of ego, but we can be aware that we're caught up in our thinking and that pulls the plug on the reality of those thoughts that look real until they don't and every time you can see that it's thought it kind of clears it doesn't mean that the trees aren't still there that i'm looking at but how i'm experiencing it is uh, is what we would call mental health a spiritual connection, serenity, oneness, peace of mind. So for me as a former wannabe priest, being a psychologist, this is what brought spirituality and psychology together as a whole. There's not two things, as one thing. And that was what was missing, what I saw in the seminary when I was going to be a priest, the hypocrisy and you know people were just messed up and there's 
psychologically, they were depressed or they were lonely or they were uh, felt empty. There were a few that really had a true spiritual connection, but they were far and few between. And I thought, well, psychology was the answer. But then I met psychologists and they had no soul. They were just intellectual. And so this is truly a paradigm shift. It's truly revolutionary, not just for the field of psychology, but for religion. Religions are now catching on to the three principles big time in the Jewish tradition, in, in the evangelical communities, and all these different religious groups are now seeing how the principles allow them to experience greater depths of spiritual ecstasy and experience. And it allows them to live in the world and be participants in the world that we live in and not have to cloister away into a monastery or a, a, a group of people that think like you do, that you can live in the world but not be of it. So that's a long answer to your question. Yeah, that's beautiful. One thing that I would love for you to expand a little bit more, and this is exactly the direction that, that you were just going in right now, is the conversation around, and you started to speak about it earlier, it's the conversation around connecting with yourself and connecting with life in the day-to-day -day, as opposed to just when you're out in nature or as opposed to just when you are meditating or as opposed to just when you are practicing quote-unquote a spiritual practice it's really about that a deeper understanding of self that is available to us always in any circumstance in any environment in any condition i would love for you to speak more about that yeah it's, it's the understanding is so practical so I'll, let me just give you um, an example that came to my mind um years ago my wife and i we were on our 25th wedding anniversary and we went to, to rome flew to rome and then we were going to fly out of paris and we traveled in between and um so we just had just a just a wonderful wonderful time it was very romantic and very um just uh, unforgettable trip. But at the end of our trip, we got a hotel in Paris near the, the train, the subway, so that we could take the early subway and get out to the airport. It was a Sunday to go out to De Gaulle and catch our plane to come back to America. And so we got on the train as planned, and it was supposed to go all the way to nonstop to De Gaulle. Well, it stopped. And we said, well, how come it stopped? And the guy next, well, this is the, the end of the, the road here. And it's, well, we're supposed to go to De Gaulle. And they said, oh, well, yeah, this train doesn't go to De Gaulle. We're on the wrong train. And, well, this is the, the ticket we bought. And it said to, to De Gaulle. And, well, it, this is, you, you have to get off the train. It stops here. So at, at 7 in the morning, and uh, so I said, well, honey, you stay here with luggage standing on the, the near the tracks there. And I'll go try to find someone that's, on a Sunday morning, that's that finds speaks English, and we can get on the right train. So I, I I go up these stairs and I go to the ticket office and I talk. They didn't speak a word of English, 
and uh, I didn't I don't speak much French but just a little bit and it was very unhelpful and so uh, I didn't know what to do so I went I was going to go back and see my wife and I looked back at the hallway that I had come up and there wasn't just one stairway coming up there were like a dozen stairways coming up and I had no idea which one I had come out of <laughs> so I went down the first one and she wasn't there then I went down the second one she, I went I went through all 12 and she wasn't there I thought my god what happened to her and I started to go into panic I used to have panic attacks in, in college and I hadn't had a panic attack in years or even high anxiety since I went to principals but all of a sudden I started thinking, oh my God, what if I lose my wife and I never see her again? And all these thoughts, it was just this cyclone of thought going on in my head. I'm running up and down the stairs, running up and down the stairs and, and going, retracing my steps and I still can't find her. And finally, at one point, I just shouted out, God, help me. I can't, I'm going to lose my mind. Please help me find my wife. And I just kind of surrendered, you know. I had this moment of surrender and I turn my head and there's a, a hole in the wall, like a concrete wall. And there's like a three by three opening. And on the other side of the tracks, on the other side of the opening, on the other side of the tracks is my wife standing there with our luggage. So in the moment I real, I've had this, this, um, complete insanity, totally having a panic attack. And then I realized that it was just, I was just, I had lost myself. I'd lost my clarity. And I, I, I called out to God, help me. And in that moment, my thoughts were released. And in that moment, I saw my wife. Now that to me was, was a beautiful illustration of the power of letting go of thought through a spiritual experience, a turning over, a surrender. And so in the meantime, my poor wife, she's been accosted by a beggar that uh, is, grabs her by the arm and demanding money. And you don't know my, my wife, you wouldn't want to mess with her. She just, she says, I'm going to throw you in those tracks if you don't leave me alone. Poor guy, he ran away. <laughs> She's a crazy woman. She's a crazy woman. <laughs> he knew not to mess with it. But um, I don't know why that that example came to my mind. But I think it it, um, it it's like we can get so wrapped up in our thoughts that we we can't see the obvious clarity of the solution in the moment. And that's the pragmatic of spiritual connection. So in that moment when I surrendered, I had that spiritual oneness, that spiritual connection. And in that, I could see the solution right through the window, right there. I just gone, I just, I didn't realize that I had come up the wrong side of the stairs or tried to go down the wrong side. And so I, um, that uh, definition that Einstein gave one, san insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That was me doing it, doing, running up and down the stairs, expecting it, that I was going to find her. And that's what happens with us when we get trapped in our 
intellectual mind and our habitual thinking, we don't see with wisdom, common sense, and clarity the solutions to all of our problems. So this isn't just helpful being lost in an airport or on your way to the airport for running your business, for parenting an adolescent, for teaching a classroom. The, the more human beings are realizing how their experience is created from the inside out through these three principles, these three powers of mind, thought, and consciousness, the more we see. My new book is, is I'm interviewing lots of people in every walk of life showing that how the principles play out in marriages, how they play out as parents, how they play out in prisons, how they play out, play out in police work, in, in racial um, tension, uh, in poverty, in um, the highly stressed medical system that we work on. I've worked with many hospital systems, including the Mayo Clinic, training their doctors in these principles. They're nurses in these principles. Uh, I worked at the University of Minnesota med school, training people in all different areas of healthcare. It's, they're so practical. They're so easily accessible um, because it, once you understand the principles of the mind, it removes the, the, the extraneous, erroneous thinking of the ego, of the intellect that separates us from our spiritual divine connection. And um, I might not use that language in a clinical setting or working with a hospital. I used a, more use the term of resilience with a lot of audiences because it's more neutral. You know, everybody wants to be resilient. And, but resilience is, is, is not any different than having a spiritual connection. You're connected to your, your deeper intelligence in a state of resilience. So am I, uh, am I answering your question? Yes, you did. There's an area that I found very helpful within this conversation. There's an area that I found very helpful for my own life, which is a recognition that that deeper sense of myself is always available to me that and something that i share with people myself uh is the people that i work with is you know helping them to connect with their own wisdom helping them connect with their own spiritual intelligence that is always with them it's always a part of them if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I love that, what you just said, because for me, that's, that's the, the, the secret to mental health is that when you know you have something that you can always count on, no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances, that there's a constant that is with you always, that no matter how lost you get in this game of life, you can always get your bearings back. And for me, having experienced the wisdom within, the source of new thinking and 
insight and creativity, knowing that that's always available once my mind calms down, once I get my bearings back. The answer is within. The answers are always within. And when people don't know that, they, they, they try to get other experts to tell them what to think or what to do or a spiritual leader to tell them how to behave or think. But people don't know that they have a direct hotline to the divine intelligence within them. Then they get lost in the search outside. But once you realize that you you have within you, you cannot be separate from God. You can't be separate from the divine. You can't be separate. You can't lose mind. You can lose your awareness of mind, of the divine, but you can never be separate from it because it is what breathes you. It is what thinks you. It is what gives you this experience of being alive. And um, I, I work a lot with alcoholics and drug addicts, people who have really hit bottom and you know been through every treatment you can imagine, and they've just lost all hope because they've tried to work the steps or they've you know tried to take their antabuse and they do all these things to try to stay sober. Um, but once they 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 regain their their connection to uh, knowing that they're that when if my if I can, once my mind is quiet I will know the next step and the next step so for me as a human being and I'm a human being not just a psychologist going through my own challenging life at times when I get caught up and I and I hit a wall which is human we all hit walls we all come to the limits of our understanding eventually. When we hit those walls, for me, I know, oh, this is great. I wonder what I'm going to learn this time. Because when I'm challenged to the limits of my present understanding, I create a circumstance that takes me higher, takes me to a higher level of understanding. So instead of, oh, no, I'm failing. Oh, I'm, I thought I understood this. I don't. Uh, Oh God, this is this is really real. Instead of that, I see this is an opportunity for me to get an even deeper insight into my inner guidance, my inner wisdom, my inner intelligence. And that um, it's like a uh, an explorer that can go anywhere in the planet. Because they know to trust their compass, their GPS, then they know how to read a map. They're never going to be lost because they know how to get their bearings. They know how to get back on track. The principles are like a, a God positioning system, a GPS that directs us back to our deeper intelligence and guides us back. And the more ex times that I've experienced that, the more grounded or solid that knowing gets. My knowing just gets so solid that not much really shakes me anymore. Just, 
I get shaken too, you know, momentarily. But I know, oh, that's just my alarm clock going off, waking me up to go inside to the truth, to my spiritual connection, to my wisdom. And that's, that's the role of our feelings. They're, they're, they're not bad. They're there to wake us up and reorientate us back within, get reconnected to our inner intelligence, our wisdom, our spiritual connection. Those are all words to describe the same experience. They're all, it's, you can't separate spiritual and psychological anymore. It's not, they're all the same thing. It's, it's a it's non-duality. That's another big term these days. But this is the essence of non-duality. It's, it unifies mind, soul, and spirit as one thing. The true meaning of the word psychology. Mind, soul, spirit. So this is, this is a spiritual revelation. And it's a scientific revelation, both the same. You mentioned your book that your your most recent book that you're working on, or that you uh, that you're uh, that you're sharing through your own podcast uh, as well. Um, could you speak a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last summer. You know, as I was in lockdown and uh, adjusting to it all, like everybody else, um, uh, I had been trying to write another book um, uh, called The Burnout Solution, which was for healthcare professionals, and I couldn't get a publisher for that. Uh, nobody buys books on burnout, they said. <laughs> so, um, and then, so then I thought, I'm, I, I've interviewed lots of alcoholics and drug addicts that have their lives would transform through the principles and they found sobriety and serenity. So I thought I'd write that. And, um, but while that was, that, that was kind of, I, I wanted to use my time during COVID to write, write the next book because I'd written five other books. And, um, so my last book I wrote was called fear proof your life. And the, Another publisher bought out the company who published Fear Proof Your Life. Um, uh, and so I, I met with them and, and they invited me to an author's forum and all of us spoke of the self-help psychology authors. It was a big, it's a big company. And so I, everybody else spoke and they were all talking about techniques and, you know, how to do a daily journal or, you know, stand on your head or whatever. <laughs> they all had their different approaches and they're all real sweet, uh, innocent people. And, and so they said, well, what do you think, Joe? And so I just started talking and the whole room just got super quiet. And I, I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. Um, cause I knew everything I was saying was coming from a completely different paradigm. It wasn't an outside in fix. It was an inside out fix. And, um, at the end of it, they were all just really quiet and they all started clapping and they said, we want to go to the church of Joe. <laughs> and 
uh, oh, well, that went well. And uh, so the next day, the, I get an email from the editor in chief there, and she says, uh, "We want to write. We want to publish your next book. Whatever it is, we want to publish your next book." They were very taken with what the contrast with what I was saying versus these oh, everybody into techniques, and um, they didn't know what I was saying, but they they knew it was true. <laughs> and so, um, so they they uh, they said, "Well, you know, we're in these." turbulent times with the pandemic and the political discord and, you know, all that's going on in our world. Uh, we really, you need to write a book about how do, how do people keep their bearings during this time? And so I said, Oh, I can do that. That, that sounds perfect. And so, um, and, and they came up with the title, which is thriving in the eye of the hurricane, unlocking, our innate resilience in these turbulent times subtitle. And so for the last year, I've been interviewing people uh, who whose lives have been transformed by understanding the three principles. And um, so I have the, the second half of the book is about those interviews and people in healthcare and education and um, uh, lots of different walks of life people working in inner cities, uh, prisons, uh, etc. And the first half of the book is about kind of the historical context of the times we're in. It's called We're Living in Interesting Times. I go back and I look at all the scientific revolution breakthroughs, or not all of them, but some of them, and talk about how they were often, these discoveries were made during times of lockdown, like a uh, The uh, Newton's theories came during the Black Plague uh, in London, and Cambridge was closed down, and so he spent a year just reflecting and um, writing and, and doing experiments, and he came up with all of his theories of gravitational theory. Um, you know, classical physics was invented during that time. So this, all the Renaissance, the the Age of Enlightenment, all of these transformational periods in history have been preceded by great challenge. So I positioned the book that this is an opportunity for humanity to gain a deeper understanding of the mind, that this is the missing piece. We've evolved to the point where we have so much stuff. We have so much. We can fly airplanes. We can go to the moon. We can, no. Yeah, if you're rich enough, like Jeff Bezos, you can actually make your own spaceship and go on your own private little trip to Mars or wherever you want to go. Uh, so we have all this technology, but we're destroying the planet. The, half the coral reefs in the world are destroyed already. We're, we're at war in so many ways. We're divided in our own nation. We're divided in, in so many ways. And so all of this wealth and all of this understanding that science has brought us uh, is put us painted us into a corner where the only way out is an evolution of the mind an evolution of connecting to our true resilient spiritual nature that is the only way we will come back together and be able to live in paradise i mean we live we could live be living in heaven on earth here if it wasn't for how we're using this so that's what this book is about. It's about how to live in the eye of the hurricane. 
being the metaphor for our spiritual essence. Peace that passes all understanding. That core of revelation, insight, connectedness is what, what the world needs now. And um, so that's why I wrote the book. Thank you for that. And I realize that uh, our, our time is, is uh, approaching the end. So I just wanted to uh, open up the opportunity for you to share anything, any last thoughts um, that you would like to, to, to finish with. Oh, the word that just came to me when you said that is hope. You know, that I, I just feel so much hope, even though I, I, I can see, you know, you know, watching the media, news, et cetera, I can see that, that we're, there's just a lot of uncertainty, uh, confusion, unknown. But I, I know that we found the answer to how to transform all of that into a really beautiful world. And I don't know if we'll see, you and I will see that in our lifetime, but I know the cat's out of the bag. The understanding is already out there in the world to so many people. The, the three principles of really, our last conference, I think we had 30 people from 38 countries there. Every religion, every nationality uh, you can imagine. And you can just see that it's just rippling out in a way that, because once people who see someone who they know who was really miserable or really unhappy and they, they change, it makes people curious. What, what happened to you? How did, and, well, I started just realizing that it wasn't what I was thinking about that was making me miserable. It was how I was using my power to think that I was, I just didn't, didn't know I was creating my own problems. And now I see that the only problem I have is a thinking problem. <laughs> and once I resolve that, I, my mind is clear to, to actually come up with great solutions. And so I think that just like, you know, you come out with a better iPhone and you see a, a better iPhone, you want that iPhone. <laughs> oh, I want that cool, something that's going to take that kind of video footage, you know, in your hand. Um, so when people see something that's working, they want it and they're attracted to it and so as this understanding has a life of its own getting out we don't have to do a super marketing program or anything it, it, it's 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 mostly traveling by osmosis in my estimation i've seen that in prisons i've seen that in communities i've seen that in hospital systems just a few people like when i worked at mayo clinic we maybe trained 150 physicians, department chairs, nursing directors, and they had 6,000 employees. In one year, their burnout and stress rate went down 12%, even though only a handful of people got an understanding. But because they were in a, in a leadership role, the tones of, of the meetings changed, the interactions, the ability to solve problems, to come up with creative solutions, just rippled out, just rippled out with very little effort. And I just, 
I'm also, you know, it's like the hundredth monkey story, you know, we probably are familiar with that. Um, you know, enough people change it. it there's a there, consciousness leaps. So I, I just feel hope. I feel so realistic hope for humanity. I just, uh, I have a knowing about it. I just know it's going to, we're all going to just be fine. <laughs> and that's what I'd leave you with. Oh, thank you very much. Very beautiful. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, and of course, I'm going to have your contact details in the description of the episode, but is there a, a good way for people to connect with you or? Uh, just we just have... through my, my website, probably Joe Bailey and associates.com. Perfect. Uh, is my website and that'd be the best way. You know, I am doing a podcast about the new book every third week. Um, be doing the third one. It's going to be uh, interviewing two people who had severe chronic pain um, and chronic fatigue syndrome uh, are going to be talking about how the principles help them transform their physical illness into health. And one of them also was recently living in, in Tel Aviv in Israel during the war and just how her understanding helped her go through that experience with uh, resilience instead of terror and you know um, you know she lost lots of friends were killed etc so um, this is this is very practical regardless of circumstances that's what I, I'm trying to demonstrate in the podcast beautiful beautiful and I'll and I'll of course have links of that uh, in the description as well Great. so Joe thank you so much for everything you've shared with us um, and um I, well, thank you daniel absolutely for the opportunity absolutely you're yeah. very welcome so hopefully um you know this won't be the last time we we, we have a conversation I hope not. <laughs> and uh again thank you very much uh for everything that you've shared all right well it's really good to talk to you too daniel thank all right bye-bye bye-bye Thank you for listening. Hopefully you heard something new that invites you to reflect, to go within and deepen your own understanding of life and of our universal experience. If you enjoyed this conversation, please follow the podcast series on your favorite listening app and share this episode with others that you feel would enjoy it as well. Until next time, May we all soar with inspiration, explore with passion, and live with love.